I love preaching right at the verge of 2019, and we're, today we're going to talk about the ultimate surprise party, the second coming of Jesus Christ. As I was having my devotions and praying about what to preach about, 2 Peter chapter 3 kept coming to mind. So if you want to turn to that, uh, we're going to read that in just a minute. We love the fact that, uh, I love the fact that I still have my parents with me. They're 88 and 86. And when I was uh, 14, approaching my 14th birthday, my brother and I, you know, this seems a little unfair. The kids will understand this. You know, when I was 14, my brother would be 11, and our birthdays were only three days apart. So did I ever have a birthday by myself? No, it was always with my brother, you know. So fortunately, we loved each other and got along fairly well. So anyway, uh, we were getting ready for our, our birthdays, me to be 14, John to be 11. But it was kind of a crisis uh, time in our lives. Uh, we had moved. My dad had uh, moved, had been there for eight years, and I'd developed a bunch of friends in this one town. Then we moved to the new town, and I was just like three or four months in, and it was really discouraging. I was quiet. That's really hard to believe, I know. But I was quiet, I was shy, didn't really talk to many girls, and I having a hard time making friends. It was eighth grade. And uh, my mom and dad said, okay, boys, we're going to go and meet some friends. We're just going to go and have a time. And my dad was a pastor, so that was a pretty normal thing. But uh, I was pretty resistant. You know, I was 14 or almost 14. And, you know, I had that 14 attitude. Yeah, some of you know. So anyway, I was resisting and, you know, kind of shuffling my feet. And, and mom and dad put us in the car and we went downtown and went to the police station. That's a little scary when you're 14. So went to the police station. There was a city hall on top of the police station. And they said, well, let's go visit some friends on top of city hall. Now at that point, I'm starting to think, what in the world's going on? You don't visit friends in city hall. And, but dad's a pastor. Maybe he knows the police sergeant. I don't know. So we shuffle up the stairs, open the door to a darkened room. And I thought, oh man, this is weird. What's going on? And, and I consider myself really good at figuring things out, but not that day. It was a big surprise, and all of a sudden the lights came on, and, and my awesome parents, knowing that we'd had a really hard year of transition, had planned a surprise party. They dragged kids from the neighborhood, from the school, from the church. They you know, brought people in, and it was fun. It was just amazing jaw-dropping surprise. I have to tell you, I usually consider myself good at figuring things out. Like I can tell you the end of every Hallmark movie, <laughs> as you all can, you know, but I, but I can figure out movies and, you know, I, I, just, I, I, I just tell my wife and just spoil, you know, my daughter calls me the spoiler. And, but this time there was no figuring out. And, you know, that's exactly what Second Peter says is going to happen with the second coming of Jesus Christ. We think we've got it all figured out, but Second Peter says it's going to be like a thief in the night, and we're all going to be just like at the biggest surprise party of all. We're going to have our mouth open. We're going to be standing there flat-footed when Jesus Christ returns, and it's going to be glorious. Scott Hohenschel is going to come, and he's going to read our passage for us. If you want to look, it's Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the, and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is the coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, 
Also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of an ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord does not slow in keeping his promise, as some, are understand slow, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear like with a roar. The elements will be devoured, be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live a holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed it's coming. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with them. The return of Christ. One of the things we think about in 2019, what would shake our foundations? Wouldn't it be great if 2019 would be the year Jesus Christ would come? That would shake us up, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. The best thing to think about, Peter would say, in this kind of summary of the whole sermon, he says, step up to faith and look up, expecting Jesus Christ to come, eagerly looking up, even today. I love the fact that, as Peter writes, uh, it's only 30 years into the church. So Jesus' resurrection, his ascension, it's 30 years in the gap, and it's amazing to me, now this is the irony for me as a pastor, it's amazing to me that the church was starting to splinter already. There were controversies, there were all kinds of discussions and debates, and in within just 30 years of Jesus being on the earth, we had a bunch of stuff that was going on that was messing up the church. Peter writes about it, First John writes about it, all these letters in the church are trying to correct a lot of these things, the church is spinning its wheels, it's not really getting anywhere the first few years, because the controversies and the splintering. It's interesting that Peter, as his perspective, now you remember who Peter is, right? Simon Peter, who was one of the twelve. It's interesting that his perspective is persecution is not that big a deal. Nero is actually killing Christians. Peter's not saying bring it on, but he's saying let's not worry about it because if we die for Christ, right? It just helps us step up to courage, helps us step up to faith, helps other people say this faith really is alive, it really is real. So Peter's not overly concerned with persecution. I think I would be, I think you would be, but Peter says, you know, it's not the concern. The concern, Peter says, is within the church, not without. Within the church, when you guys are having problems, and just a couple of the splinter groups we look at would be, number one, the freewheelers. They're just kind of saying, oh yeah, let's just go ahead and sin, and sexual immorality, and let's just have no problem. Christ will forgive us, and Peter is really concerned about that. The other group are kind of on the other end, and they're saying, oh, the Judaizers, they're saying, well, we should still do circumcision. We should still follow the law. We should still make sure the Old Testament stays in place. And Peter says, okay, you know, let's not worry about that. You know, but there's those two ends. Then there's these gloomy people. You might not even know this one. These gloomy people that say, hey, the second coming has already happened. And it just is what it is. This persecution, we're just going to have to endure it because Jesus Christ has left us and left us behind. That's kind of an odd little group, isn't it? Another group, and Peter addresses them here in this letter, 
is saying, you know, the scoffers are saying, it's never going to happen. The second coming of Christ, the return of Christ, the scoffers saying, it's never going to happen. Things have gone on from before creation all the way along. It's always the same, never going to happen. Peter would say, guess what? I saw him when he was transfigured. Do you remember? Peter, James, and John, up they go to the mountain. Peter is saying, guess what? I have seen Jesus, and I know he's going to come back. In his second letter, Peter is trying to help these people. He's trying to, to get rid of the scoffers, and, and they're coming within the church. Again, they're not from without, but they're rising up within the church saying, can you imagine that? Jesus Christ is not going to return. Look at verse 3. Above all, Peter says, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And Peter is not happy about this. You got to remember, he's the one that denied Christ, right? Three times. But Christ reinstated him three times. He knows the grace and the mercy of Christ. He's the one, can you imagine going up on the mountain? You're just thinking, well, I'm going to go up one more time and watch Jesus pray. And so Peter takes, or Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and off they go to the top of the mountain. But instead of just the regular prayers of Jesus, all of a sudden his face becomes glowing. His clothes become like lightning. And all of a sudden there's Elijah and there's Moses representing the prophets and the law. And all of a sudden Peter is saying things like, okay, wait, I'll, we'll, we'll build some tents and we'll help you uh, stay around, hang around a little bit. He wanted the glory to last. He wanted to see that, that shining Jesus for a long, long time. Peter knew Jesus was coming back. He had seen Jesus in his glory. The second way I think Peter knew that Jesus was coming back was in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, do you remember Jesus was resurrected and, and then he began to speak to the disciples and, and before he ascended into heaven, the Bible says 500 saw him and he began to teach them. But then on Acts chapter 1, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I think all of his life, Peter looked up. I think he was expecting Jesus to come. I mean, he'd seen the transfiguration glory. He'd seen the glory of the Christ. He'd heard that, well done, good, you know, this is my beloved son. And, and he knew that Jesus was the son of God. Then in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus goes away, he doesn't just go away. He goes away in glory. I mean, he rises up into the clouds, and the angel's promise is in the same way, he'll return. He'll come again in the clouds. So 30 years later, Peter is still saying, step up in faith, church. Step up in faith. Look up. Expect Christ to come. Don't believe the scoffers. Wait for that glowing Christ to emerge from the clouds. Just as he went, so he will return. And you know, the awesome thing is, if we ask the question, what would shake the foundations of our lives in 2019? 
What would shake the foundations? What would change us for 2019? First of all, 2018, as we partake of communion today, 2018, we can say, Lord, 2018, I put it under the blood. All the mistakes, all the junk, all the stuff that's happened, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I commit it to you. 2019, Lord, I just ask that you'd help me eagerly expect your coming. Help me to have the eyes to see. Lord, give me that kind of faith to step up in faith and to look for you daily. That would shake our foundations, wouldn't it? Not just to go to work every day, not just to go blah, blah, blah through life, but to say, you know what, Jesus, I need you to come. I need you to straighten up the earth and all of its problems. I need you, Lord, to establish your reign. That'd be a great prayer. I've been watching Venezuela. It's just fascinating to me. We've been down in South America and Central America on missions trips, and Venezuela is an absolute wreck right now. The economy is shot. I mean, there's piles of money worth nothing. $10 million, $10 million is worth nothing down there right now. They are absolutely in poverty. But they caught some of the leaders on social media, the president and some of his cronies. They caught him at the best restaurant in the world eating filet mignon. That is wrong. I need to tell you, I don't need to tell you that, right? That is desperately wrong. There is something desperately wrong when all of your people are in poverty, starving to death, and you're eating filet mignon in the best restaurant in the world. The second coming, Peter says, everything will be laid bare. That injustice will be taken care of. Peter says that when Jesus Christ establishes his reign and his throne, that we no longer have to worry about injustice. We sang it in the song. I love the song that was there, that, that we're a spotless bride waiting for his groom, waiting for his reign to be established. I know that we pray that every day, right? Jesus says to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what we're praying for? We're praying for the kingdom to come into the earth, the kingdom to redeem this life, to change us, to, to even start right now. And to say, Lord, I, I need you to change me so that I can help others change and to know your transforming power by the blood of the cross. We're doing that in Owasso first. Locally, we're doing our best in terms of growing and discipleship and doing the classes and helping people with connect groups to pray for each other. We're also doing something interesting that uh, if you watch your worship folder next week, there'll be a couple of Sundays that we do a brochure. And our local compassion team has established a navigation program where we're trying to help people with kingdom come issues. It might be justice issues. It might be just simply helping people through a hard time. But we're trying to partner with them to help them navigate some of the rough seas of life. And if you look at that, we're, we're trying to recruit navigators, helping people come alongside in compassion. And just pray about that for 2019. Pray about our compassion team to really help Jesus' kingdom to come. His will be done. Help us as we help others uh, in, in the church. It's great. And if you'd like to give, this is a little commercial. Local compassion. You can just fill it out on your, on your envelope. And it goes to help those that are in desperate need here in this local community. Peter says sometimes we do get caught up. We get caught up with the scoffers. Sometimes we get caught up in the worry and the doubt. Sometimes we fail to look up. But he would say, you know what? Look at history from God's point of view. That's difficult. You know, I know if you're like me, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, my, my tire is getting flat on my car. I'm worried about that. You know, I'm, I'm worried about the little things in my life. My tub faucet is dripping, you know, and that's a concern for me. And, and just the little things, the little tiny things kind of keep, uh, keep us focused. But Peter is saying... Look from life from God's view. Look at verse 8. This is God's view. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. 
With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. A few things in that passage I just absolutely love. Number one, we live right now in the eternal now. If we're Christians, E. Stanley Jones, the great missionary to India, I've, I've took this phrase in my devotions in my college years, and I've taken it with me for 30 years. He says when we profess faith in Jesus Christ, something changes within us. Something transforms. And we start living in eternity right now. Right? You know, it's, we, we start, you know, one of the letters of Paul, it says, we are living in the heavenlies. We are reigning from the heavenlies with Christ that we somehow are connected to eternity right now. And Peter says our perspective is God's perspective. Let's, let's make it a pillar of our perspective. Let's live holy lives, Peter says. And somehow as we look forward to that day, it influences today, right? It influences us right now to live a holy and godly life. The good news for us is that Peter says everyone, everyone, everyone can repent. Have you ever thought about that from God's perspective? God doesn't want just a predestined few to repent. You know, some preach that. But I believe that when Peter says God wants everyone to repent, it means everyone. All means all. It means that your neighbor next door that you have a hard time with and you just thank the Lord there's a fence between your neighbor's house and yours. I think God wants to save that person. He wants him to be with you in eternity. That, that lady that you work with in the office that gives you such a hard time and you think, oh, I just can't even hardly go to work to... God wants that person saved, right? Wants them in heaven to be with us together. Now, not everybody is going to be saved. The Bible makes that very clear. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want everybody to be saved. The Bible here says he is patient. He is long-suffering. He, the heart of God, wants everyone to be saved. If we get that in our thinking for 2019, that would shake our foundations. That would change the way we look at people and the way we look at life. The second coming issue, I realize a lot of times we're worried about when. You know, when I was growing up, I saw the thief in the night. You know, did anybody remember that from the 70s? Just me. Okay, well, a few of you. Yeah, scared us absolutely to death, right? We watched the thief in the night movies, and, and we just wondered, you know, when Jesus was going to come. But Peter here is not worried about when. If you read the passage carefully, if you look at it carefully, he's not looking at when. He doesn't want us to think about a timeline. Peter says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. What's Peter worried about? He's not worried about when. He's worried about what. What we're doing. You know, that little phrase there is interesting that everything done in it will be laid bare. This is the judgment day of God. When Jesus Christ returns, what Peter is saying is every heart, every motive, every purpose that you have will be seen by God. Your wife might not, even, might not even know the deeper purposes of your heart. Your husband might not even know the deeper things that are in your mind. But God will know on the final day. Now that's a hard passage to preach, but Peter doesn't shy away with it, from it, and we shouldn't either. We should just look at it and say, okay God, you are sovereign God. You will know my thoughts, you will know my motives, and it all will be laid bare before the judgment day. Peter is saying, be ready. Live a holy life right now. 
Be ready. Don't worry about a timeline. Don't worry about trying to figure out when I'm going to come. Be ready today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Wait patiently. Look forward. Look up. Look for Christ. Stay close to Christ, Peter says. And when we look up expectantly and live up to his holiness, listen to what Peter says. Since everything, verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. This is a little concept that really I have never heard preached. So this is brand new. It might be brand new for you. It's interesting that Peter just has a small little phrase. He doesn't explain it, but I'm going to try to explain a little bit just for your edification. Peter says that somehow our holy living today speeds up the return of Christ. Have you ever heard that before? Peter seems to be very plain with that. He says, you know, that if we, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we, be, we to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. It's fascinating to me that as we live holy lives, Jesus Christ will return sooner. So people say, well, I want Jesus Christ to return soon. Live a holy life. You know, tell others about Christ. Help others to become saved. And I think that's what Peter means. I think Jesus, you know, here in this passage... God is talking about how he's patient and he's delaying his coming. He wants everybody to be repent, repentant. He wants everybody to be in eternity with him. So live holy lives. Spread the gospel. And as we spread the gospel, perhaps repentance and holy living together will hasten the return of Christ. You've heard it here first. All right. No one's writing it down, but I'm assuming you're going to remember it. All right. Just kidding. So as you look at it, we need the Holy Spirit right now. Right? If we're going to live godly lives, if we're going to live holy lives, we need God's Spirit right now. I've been uh, one of those eager beavers. I've been reading Tozer's Book of the Year in advance. So I've read December, right? So that December little passage that uh, the Tozer on the Holy Spirit, the Book of the Year that we're going to read in 2019. Here's interesting what he says in the book of December, that we are desperately dependent on the Holy Spirit. That'd be a good amen, right? that we desperately need Jesus Christ today, every day in our life. Tozer says, for purity and power, willpower alone just doesn't cut it. You know, we can't just stand there and say, oh, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be good. Tozer says it doesn't work that way. You know, the human nature, we, we tend to go off the track. We tend to go out of our way sometimes to do the wrong thing. And, and Tozer says we need to kneel every day and say, Lord, desperately I need you today. Desperately I ask for you to come into my life today. Lord, please, give me your power. Give me your purity. You think God will enter, answer that request? He does. He loves the heart of a child. He, he loves us when we're dependent on him. He will answer those kind of prayers. I really believe... That in 2019, we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe 2018, as we partake of communion today, if you're a Christian, we're open communionists. We encourage you to come. We, even if you're not a, a member here, you, know, you, can, you can partake of communion as you are a Christian. And you have that right and that privilege. And you can say, Lord, 2018, all the stuff. I might have made mistakes in 2018. I might have left out some things I should have done. But Lord, I put it under your blood today as you take of the elements, the broken body, the poured out blood of Jesus Christ. 
And thank the Lord, the blood of Jesus Christ can cover us, not just our sins, but our mistakes, our failures, our omissions, and the blood of Jesus Christ can give us a new freedom for 2019. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. God, I believe that with all my heart. And when you partake of that, you know, think about Peter. Think about this passage. And when the, th when the end of time comes and everything is laid bare, you can say, Lord, let my motives be pure for you. Let me love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let me love my neighbor as myself. Lord, as I take communion today, may 2019 be a greater year than I could possibly think through the power of your Holy Spirit. Three times, Peter says, look forward. I want us to think about 2019 in that sense. You know, Peter is, is saying, look forward. He says, you know what? Things are going to be great. Listen to what he says in, in uh, this passage in verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And here it is. As you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. In other words, focus on redemption. Focus on the fact that Jesus Christ is the eternal now. Focus on the fact that this world, all the bad news, will eventually be no news. Because Jesus Christ will take away the injustice. He'll take away the evil. He'll take away the starving children. He will redeem this planet. Verse 14, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward, there it is again, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. When we partake of the blood and of the body of Jesus Christ, we partake of grace. And that is the best news of all. Because we cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it from good works on our own. But we partake of the grace of Jesus Christ and we look forward. He makes us spotless. He gives us the blamelessness because of his blood. And he gives us peace because we are justified before God. Communion solidifies us right now into the eternal now. And as you take communion this morning as a Christian, look forward. Look forward to that day when the world will be restored. That is the ultimate reality. It's not the car that's breaking down. It's not the neighbor that's giving you a hard time. It's not the problems at work. That's a reality, but it's not the ultimate reality. It's not the solid reality. It's not the eternal reality that we live in right now. For Jesus Christ has taken away our sins, and he's taken away the burden, and he's made us spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Verse 13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's the third looking forward. That is the greatest one of all, I believe. You remember in Romans chapter 8, it says, All of creation groans for the redemption of Christ. All of creation groans. They're waiting for the return of Christ. Even, even the earth that, that's messed up right now with tornadoes and floods and earthquakes, it groans because it knows somehow that there will be a redemption and a restoration at the return of Jesus Christ. Daniel Powers is a great Nazarene a commentator, Beacon Bible Commentary. He says this, he says, all of creation longs for redemption. Despite the vivid description of the fiery end of the world, Peter is holding out this hope of a new beginning. Peter is saying, even with this cataclysmic end of time, it's an offer of a purging. It's an offer of a new beginning as Jesus Christ starts all over, as we look forward to this great second coming, this great restoration. So look up, Peter would say. Look forward. Trust that Jesus Christ is coming. Scoffers might say he's not. But Peter says, you know what? I've seen him. I've beheld him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He is the Son of God. I heard the words 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I watched him in Acts chapter 1 as, as he ascended the mountain, then ascended to the clouds. I listened to the two angels in white that said he's going to return again just as he went. And Peter says, I believe. And church, believe with me. And as we believe, let us say, holy living. Holy living because we live in the eternal now. Jesus Christ is present today and he returns again soon. Peter says, let's live as if that impacts our lives even today. Holy living as we look up and as we look forward to Jesus Christ. He died on the cross not just to forgive us of our sins, but to transform us, to change us, to help us to live this holy kind of life that we've been preaching about this morning. The Holy Spirit empowers us for purity and for power. I am not worthy, but Lord, I receive your grace today. Receive your grace for 2018, all the stuff that I need covered by your blood. And Lord, receive your grace and your power for 2019 to live in purity and to live in your name.